Hey, y'all. LeVar here. I'm bringing you a real treat this week. But first, are you listening to Stories with Friends? It's my new podcast where I have conversations with some of my friends around a singular piece of generally short fiction. If you're not listening, you really should be. You'd be missing out on conversations with Lawrence Fishburne, Brent Spiner, two-time National Book Award winner Jessman Ward. It's really the literature's an excuse to talk about life and everything else. That's Stories with Friends, and you can find it on Stitcher Premium. Now, I'm excited to bring you the news of a season two of one of my favorite podcasts, The Paris Review. They are here with a new season ready to whisk us all away on impressive audio adventures with their unique blend of renowned fiction, poetry, and interviews, archival recordings, and sonic imaginings. I had the great pleasure of being a part of season one of The Paris Review, reading James Baldwin, pretty much my favorite author. What's so impressive about this show is its ability to mirror an essential part of reading the print journal itself, with each piece segueing into the next, taking you on a journey that leaves ample room in the mind for surprise, uh, for joy, and even reflection. This season features Jason Alexander reading Philip Roth, what a pairing, Molly Ringwald reading a work by rising fiction star Mary Terrier, Jenny Slate channels Anne Sexton. There's also archival audio from Toni Morrison and many other exciting literary giants. I could go on and on about how fantastic this show is, but here's a special preview clip of Jason Alexander reading an early Philip Roth story, The Conversion of the Jews. It first appeared in the Paris Review back in 1958. The Conversion of the Jews. Fiction by Philip Roth. You're a real one for opening your mouth in the first place, Itzy said. What do you open your mouth all the time for? I didn't bring it up, Itz. I didn't, Ozzy said. What do you care about Jesus Christ for anyway? I didn't bring up Jesus Christ. He did. I, I didn't even know he, what he was talking about. Jesus is historical, he kept saying. Jesus is historical. Ozzy mimicked the monumental voice of Rabbi Binder. Jesus was a person that lived like you and me, Ozzy continued. That's what Binder said. Yeah. So what? What do I give two cents whether he lived or not? And what do you got to open your mouth? Itzy Lieberman favored closed-mouthedness, especially when it came to Ozzy Friedman's questions. Mrs. Friedman had to see Rabbi Binder twice before about Ozzy's questions, and this Wednesday at 4.30 would be the third time. Itzy preferred to keep his mother in the kitchen. He settled for behind-the-back subtleties such as gestures, faces, snarls, and other less delicate barnyard noises. He was a real person, Jesus, but he wasn't like God, and we don't believe he is God. Slowly, Ozzy was explaining Rabbi Binder's position to Itzy, who had been absent from Hebrew school the previous afternoon. The Catholics, Itzy said helpfully, they believe in Jesus Christ, that he's God. Itzy Lieberman used the Catholics in its broadest sense, to include the Protestants. Ozzy received Itzy's remark with a tiny head bob 
as though it were a footnote, and went on. His mother was Mary, and his father probably was Joseph, Ozzie said. But the New Testament says his real father was God. His real father? Yeah, Ozzie said. That's the big thing. His father's supposed to be God. Bull. That's what Rabbi Binder says, that it's impossible. Sure, it's impossible. That stuff's all bull. To have a baby, you gotta get laid. Itsy theologized. Mary had to get laid. That's what Binder says. The only way a woman can have a baby is to have intercourse with a man. <laughs> he said that, Oz. For a moment, it appeared that Itsy had put the theological question aside. He said that? Intercourse? A little curled smile shaped itself in the lower half of Itsy's face, like a pink mustache. What do you guys do, Oz? You laugh or something? I raised my hand. Yeah? What'd you say? That's when I asked the question. Itsy's face lit up like a firefly's behind. What'd you ask about? Intercourse? No. I asked the question about God. How if he could create the heaven and earth in six days and make all the animals and the fish and the light in six days, the light especially, that's what always gets me, that he could make the light. Making fish and animals, that's pretty good. That's damn good. Itzy's appreciation was honest, but unimaginative. It was as though God had just pitched a one-hitter. But making light, I mean, when you think about it, it's really something, Ozzy said. Anyway, I asked Binda if he could make all that in six days, and he could pick the six days he wanted right out of nowhere, why couldn't he let a woman have a baby without having intercourse? You said intercourse, Oz, to Binda? Yeah. Right in class? Yeah. Itsy smacked the side of his head. I mean, no kidding around, Ozzy said. That'd really be nothing. After all that other stuff, that'd practically be nothing. Itsy considered a moment. What did Binda say? He started all over again explaining how Jesus was historical and how he lived like you and me, but he wasn't God. So I said, I understood that. What I wanted to know was different. What Ozzy wanted to know was always different. The first time, he had wanted to know how Rabbi Binder could call the Jews the chosen people if the Declaration of Independence claimed all men to be created equal. Rabbi Binder tried to distinguish for him between political equality and spiritual legitimacy, but what Ozzy wanted to know, he insisted vehemently, was different. That was the first time his mother had to come. Then there was the plane crash. Fifty-eight people had been killed in a plane crash at the Guardia, and in studying a casualty list in the newspaper, his mother had discovered, among the list of those dead, eight Jewish names. His grandmother had nine, but she counted Miller as a Jewish name. Because of the eight, she said the plane crash was a tragedy. During free discussion time on Wednesday, Ozzy had brought to Rabbi Bender's attention this matter of some of his relations, always picking out the Jewish names. Rabbi Binder had begun to explain cultural unity and some other things when Ozzy stood up at his seat and said that what he wanted to know was different. Rabbi Binder insisted that he sit down, 
And it was then that Ozzy shouted that he wished all 58 were Jews. That was the second time his mother came. And he kept explaining about Jesus being historical. And so I kept asking him. No kidding, it's he was trying to make me look stupid. So what did he finally do? Finally, he starts screaming that I was deliberately simple-minded and a wise guy and that my mother had to come and this was the last time and that I'd never get bar mitzvahed if he could help it. Then it's then he starts talking in that voice like a statue, real slow and deep, and he says that I better think over what I said about the Lord. He told me to go to his office and think it over. Ozzy leaned his body towards Itzy. It's, I thought it over for a solid hour, and now I'm convinced God could do it. Ozzy had planned to confess his latest transgression to his mother as soon as she came home from work. But it was a Friday night in November, and already dark. And when Mrs. Friedman came through the door, she tossed off her coat, kissed Ozzy quickly on the face, and went to the kitchen table to light the three yellow candles, two for the Sabbath and one for Ozzy's father. When his mother lit candles, she would move her arms slowly towards her, dragging them through the air as though persuading people whose minds were half made up, and her eyes would get glassy with tears. Even when his father was alive, Ozzy remembered that her eyes had gotten glassy, so it didn't have anything to do with his dying. It had something to do with lighting the candles. As she touched the flaming match to the unlit wick of a Sabbath candle, the phone rang, and Ozzy, standing only a foot from it, plucked it off the receiver and held it muffled to his chest. When his mother lit candles, Ozzy felt there should be no noise. Even breathing, if you could manage it, should be softened. Ozzy pressed the phone to his breast and watched his mother dragging whatever she was dragging, and he felt his own eyes get glassy. His mother was a round, tired, gray-haired penguin of a woman whose gray skin had begun to feel the tug of gravity and the weight of her own history. Even when she was dressed up, she didn't look like a chosen person. But when she lit candles, she looked like something better, like a woman who knew momentarily that God could do anything. After a few mysterious minutes, she was finished. Ozzy hung up the phone and walked to the kitchen table where she was beginning to lay the two places for the four-course Sabbath meal. He told her that she would have to see Rabbi Binder next Wednesday at 4.30. And then he told her why. For the first time in their life together, she hit Ozzy across the face with her hand. was Jason Alexander reading some Philip Roth. Boy, the pairings that Paris Review makes are always perfect and perfectly 
delicious. Search for the Paris Review in your favorite podcast app so you can start listening to the new season is out right now. Just hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thanks. Thanks.